Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Park. What's going on, man? You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. God's gift is here in the studio with me. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Brandon, how are you, man? I'm all right. And tell the folks out there about this song you introduced me to. Oh, yeah. It's called, it's called uh, Same Old Feeling by the Crusaders, man. man. A little something I, I found in Detroit back in the day. Yeah, that's... You know, we mentioned last time you were here, you're from Detroit. Yes. Born and raised, but... So, I kind of like to explore the idea of, like, how different it is. Have, were you there, and then you moved down here, or have you been to different parts of the country? Um, I was there. I've been there my whole life, born and raised, and up until two years ago. I moved here, and before you even asked, yes, it was definitely a culture shock. Yeah. You know, a lot more dirt roads, a lot less street lights. Yeah. Everything closing at 10 o'clock. I was up to, like, where did I move to? Well, and you and Greg were having an interesting conversation off air about the people around here seem, and I've seen this, and some of my friends I've made from up north, like Connecticut and Philly and whatnot, have noticed the difference too. The people around here really will stop and go, a complete stranger, hey, how's your day going? And they don't want anything. They're just saying what's up. And you know what? My granddaddy was telling me about that, the whole Southern hospitality thing, which it's a beautiful thing. You know, I've, I've, I mean, people in the country who don't know us from Adam have, Hey, you know, come on over our house, have breakfast. Right. My wife just cooked, you know, stuff like that. Like, when I first moved down here, that just kind of scared me. You know, some old couple knocking at our door at 4.30 in the morning, like, yeah, we heard your son was down here. Tell him to come on over. We, <laughs> we, we just cooked up breakfast. Like, what? It is 4 in the morning. What? Well, and I've always felt like a transplant down here. Like, my mom's side of the family is originally from New Jersey, and then they were military Air Force and moved all around. And I still get people who ask me, are you from here? Where are you from? It, 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 exactly, because it's kind of like a hodgepodge. You know, you take a little bit from everywhere you've been. And most times people can just hear me talk and be like, oh, you're not from here. Or no. they'll just ask me the all-time question, Alabama or Auburn. And I won't say either, and they'll be like, yeah, you're not from here. Well, and I like to say I come from Goodstock, uh, from hog farmers in Andalusia and uh, Polish immigrants from Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, real. it's amazing, though, like uh, how you end up here, and you're like, all right, I guess I'll make a home out of it. But but you know what? I, I find that it's, it's sometimes it's kind of like a reverse type thing. Like most young kids here, they graduate high school, and they're like, oh, I want to move to the big city. Right. And most big city people are like, yeah, I'd rather just move to a quiet place. Is it it's just overrated? It is. Too crowded? It, no, it's not that. It's just when you're young, you know, the, the crime, the, the club and scene, like, it's all exciting, but we do it so early. Right. Like, I was in clubs when I was 15. You know, so by the time I became 30, it was kind of like, ugh, okay, a club. Ooh, big, big whoop. Well, and I 
I went to Atlanta not too long ago, and uh, it's it is a whole other different feel. Now it's still a southern city, and it's kind of sprawling, like unlike a few others, uh, maybe uh, in other parts of the country. See, the thing is, I'm going to say this, and I'll be the first one on radio to say this: Atlanta is the New York of the South. Mm. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Well, and then all the the music and movies being made there now. It's almost like a, a film. It's an entertainment culture hub now, too. Exactly. And Montgomery is actually trying to become that, too. You know, if a lot of people haven't noticed, a lot of small movies are being shot downtown right now. Really? You I know, didn't notice. Yeah. Uh, near the Air Force Base, uh, like off Air Base Boulevard, uh, where that those new apartments at the Heights. The Heights, yeah. Yeah, they're shooting like a bunch of little B-movies over there. I'm like, okay, okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. And, and I noticed since I've moved here, downtown is really built up, and the city itself is kind of built up a little bit. Well, I remember when people didn't go downtown, like mostly because there wasn't anything there. There were a few shops. Uh, you had some place like Chris's Hot Dogs has been there 100 years or something, but... Downtown was shuttered, most of it, and then finally this revitalization has happened. We came down here, I want to say like 05, 06, because we were fellowshipping with the church. Mm -hmm. And we stayed at the Key West Inn in Prattville. And I can literally say it was the Key West Inn, it was the Walmart, and there was nothing else in Prattville. And I've watched it right. pretty much come from that blows up. And, and it's it's crazy to watch. And it's it's cool, though. It's real cool. Now, I'm checking out. I'm looking down at my phone here because I wanted to find a story I, sh I saw earlier today. And this headline just blew me away. NASA astronaut who mm -hmm. spent a year in space now has different DNA from his twin. That's believable. It, it's crazy, though. It's the first time because they're twins, it gave a unique chance, opportunity to study how space affected our bodies down to the DNA. And apparently after 500 days in space overall, but he spent a huge chunk of it on the International Space Station for 342 days. Uh, his brother is also a retired astronaut. So essentially space really does change us. His DNA changed significantly. Scott's telomeres? Hmm. I, this is where my ignorance with science okay. shows up. Okay. But apparently the end caps of chromosomes that shortened as one ages. Okay. Yeah, his telomeres actually became significantly longer in space. While this so, finding was presented in 2017, the team verified this unexpected change with multiple assays and uh, genomics testing. Okay. Well, well you wow. think about... Well, yeah, it's an amazing thing, but you think about this... You're spending 500 days outside of gravity, outside of a normal, what we would consider a normal environment into an artificial environment. So, yeah, your body's going to adjust and change accordingly. Yeah, but if you had the opportunity, because there's this new race now into space, well, I think what's incredible is that Elon Musk and with SpaceX, like, I can, you know, do these reusable rockets that land, the rocket boosters come back to Earth, they land, they're easily recycled. I can do it for, like, half the cost of what our programs were doing. Everybody kind of laughed at him. The guy pulled it off. Well, well not, not only that, a lot of technological advances that's coming now, 
you know, you figure 10 years ago, people laughed at, you know, like I remember being a little kid at my granddaddy house watching the Jetsons and, right. oh, cars that drive themselves. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. And, and guess what? BMW is like, hey, BMW. And I sent the video to my granddaddy and I was like, and I just had to drop the mic moment. Like, now what? <laughs> but it freaks me out still. Like, I was driving uh, for my grandfather and his new Honda and it has already the... Um, the, like automated stay in the lane thing, and it, 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 I don't trust it. It still freaks me out. Well, well, I I only trust technology to a certain extent because, you know, as you know, both of us kind of come from the same generation. We kind of had half of the old school, a little bit of the new school, right. and I'm I'm just at a at a point where it's like eh, I trust it, but I don't. Right. You know, because I've seen people who literally can't go two seconds without looking at their phone. Like, if the phone's shut off tomorrow, I don't know what children between 10 and 15 would do. Well, and you brought up this point on Wednesday. It's a shame that people don't sit down and just have a long, in-depth conversation. You almost have to create something like a radio show or a podcast that's in a way artificial. But we're, okay, we're going to devote an hour. And talk to the public in some way, and actually sit and talk. Well, well, well you think about this. Uh, like back in the day, they used to have stuff like family dinners. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, you could be outside, you could be watching TV, but hey, when mom said it was time to come in to eat, TVs went off, bikes was put up. There were no. It was one house phone, and it's set right there in the corner. And if it rained, guess what? We kept eating, and we didn't hear it. Well, and I remember as a kid, I can remember family holidays where the whole family oh, yeah. comes over. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of conversation. I had a crazy family. Luckily, both sides of the family, mom and dad, really liked each other. We all kind of got along. And it was a great back and forth. But I noticed a change as I got older. Not a, not only that everybody's getting older, number one. But that it was less conversation and more, did you see the latest video it, you it, see this exact, latest viral exactly thing. and we talked about this on your on your last show um where technology continues to devise us because it's it's like okay now i don't know how to have a conversation most kids are socially awkward now because you know they didn't go through that awkward phase because it was just oh let me text this to this girl right. and she'll reply back you know i don't have to go up and talk to this girl and ask her name i can just find her on facebook right i can take a picture of her and Google her her image, and it'll find it for me. But it's it's recreating media, uh, and something I suppose I think about all the time in radio. Uh, as I start to think of myself more as a content creator, I can't just think, okay, we're doing a live show on terrestrial radio. That's fantastic. I'm loving the opportunity, having a lot of fun doing it. But I was watching an interview with uh, Key and Peele last night, and they said that more than the television show in Comedy Central. They put up all their most famous skits, like we were talking off air, substitute teacher and yeah. and whatnot. A A wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they put it up online, didn't think about it. And after the holidays, their manager said, "Have y'all checked out the number of hits?" No, and it was like millions and millions. And apparently, they said when people go home, they start sharing this stuff it, and talking about it. Exactly. And the thing is, that's the thing about. Social media has is good and it's bad. Like people like Key and Peel never would have came out as big as they did if it had been for stuff like social media. But at the same time, I don't need a bunch of drunk videos of the guy at the corner. Right. I, I, I see the guy at the corner every day. Now I'm gonna take another angle with Key and Peel. Not only the new tech, 
But if Dave Chappelle doesn't go to Africa and just quit, do you think Key and Peele get their shot? I don't know, because you got too many other comedians out there. You got Chris Rock, who's still doing his thing. Tambourine, by the way. Have you seen the new yes, special? Yes. Damn good. But you know what? It's not as... I guess everybody expected the hard-hitting Chris mm-hmm. Rock of the 90s. You know, the the just hit you in the head, make you think. But you have to think, he's getting older, too. Yeah. You know, his life has changed. He's not that kid in Brooklyn anymore. Right. He's that guy staying in the mansion now. So, of course, his comedy changes to reflect that. Well, and I love that he named his special after an obscure Prince song that's one of my favorites <laughs> of Around the World, uh, Tambourine. And, and, and in case y'all don't know, he's wearing one of my favorite Prince, well, it's Prince-inspired shirts with Dave Chappelle on it, yeah. talking about game blouses. blouses. <laughs> Would you all like some pancakes? Served as pancakes, man. <laughs> pancakes. And talk about a huge loss there with Charlie, Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. And, and, and you know what? A lot of people don't realize, because um, another comedian, Faison Love, he made a point on The Breakfast Club of yeah. saying that... Dave Chappelle's not that funny. He was like, Dave Chappelle's show became funny after the first season when Charlie Murphy started writing all the skits. Hmm. Like, a lot of those hard-hitting skits that a lot of people like, Charlie Murphy wrote. So, I'm trying to think, like, the the black-white supremacist. That was Charlie Murphy? That was Charlie Murphy. Uh, Of course, course, the Hollywood stories, the Prince stories, the Rick James. That was all Charlie Murphy. (laughs) Yeah. Who didn't like the Rick James when he kicked him into the mirror? Come on, now. Well, I think Dave said that was the one sketch we he wished he didn't get as big as it did. Because for all of Dave's work stand-up on that show, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. People will just come up to him on the street, Rick James, bitch. Oh, oh yeah. And it's oh. like, oh, okay, I've done more than that. Please. Yeah, but it's, it's a famous line. That's just like Kevin Hart is only known... I mean, you're only as good as your last special or right. what have you, you know, because Kevin Hart's last special was not that good. Yeah, I didn't remember it that well. Did you Have you seen the new Cat Williams one? Yes. Now, that that's, that's actually pretty funny. It's actually pretty good because he's using new material. Yeah. And what it is, Cat Williams has his own niche as kind of like an underground comedian. Yeah. If he can just stay with that, he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. I like Cat, too. I just like his, his old swag is the way he carries himself like he that voice of his just cracks me up man like there's something but nobody else sounds like him of, of course not but see what, what cat's trouble is he's getting older but he's still hanging around a young crowd mm. yeah you can't be in your 40s and 50s still sipping lean you no. got to mature gracefully exactly I, I mean get you a nice wine you know chill mm. out you know, you don't need to be doing lean and all this other stuff. No. See, I think we're leaving. I'm 29. How old are you again? I'm 33. 33. I think we're both, we're jumping out, and maybe we should have jumped off earlier. I'm just talking for myself here. Out of the spring of life, like that yeah. beginning period, yeah. and you hopefully enter into the summer. That should be kind of this pinnacle. You hit your prime in your 30s, 40s, and it, in the 50s, you start to get the wake-up call. Oh, it's uh, autumn. Uh, 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 oh, yeah, because you, you know, the, you know, because at that point, the doctor just stops saying, uh, "Oh, well, you know, we can we can look into that." At, at 50, he's just like, "Oh, well, that you know, that that happens." Well, and I'm gonna have to shove my finger up there. Yeah, yeah. Check that. Yep. <laughs> it's like no. Yep. No, if no, you want to, no. I, I I hate to say it, guys, if you want to outlive your wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean living. Yeah, yeah. And get your prostate, prostate. Excuse me, checked. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, but I'm thinking, okay, music. I always like to ask folks, and we off air downstairs oh, in the crowd room been swapping all sorts of music. Oh, yeah. But uh, for music, what are your earliest memories? For me, it is. Well, with like my influence of my dad, it's kind of Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers. Oh, okay. All that's uh, and my uncle Greg was a huge music fan. He just gave me burn CDs. He introduced me to like Al Green and a lot of soul ah, music. The soul. But where I explored myself, I discovered Led Zeppelin on my own. And oh. then out of that, I discovered Prince. I like to describe that as my first two life's loves. It was uh, Zeppelin seeing Jimmy Page play guitar on that DVD that came out. And then I was on a cruise, actually, where this one guy named Wilson, I remember it vividly. Uh-huh. He had a guitar. I had my guitar. And we went into the elevator. And I wish I had the guitar here because uh, I could do it right now. But we would just sit in the elevator and wait for people to come on. And then we'd just start with a simple, like... A minor chord, like a simple, you know, that 16th note funk strumming. Wouldn't say a thing, not saying the lyrics at all. And then we'd make the turnaround having, you sexy mother. And like people would just, what in the world these kids doing? So from that, just making me laugh, I'm like, who's this, who made this song? And the rest is history. So what about for you? Now for me, that's just like here, being born here and growing up here, any kid will tell you, you know, college football is ingrained in your DNA. Right, in for, the South. Exactly. Yeah. For us in Detroit, it was, hey, you have, a, you have a baby boy. He's singing My Girl. Yeah, that, that was us. Motown was just shoved down our... Th- mm. Which, you know, some of my earliest memories was my granddaddy playing some Temptations or uh, some Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. You know... Like, even though my granddad was in the church, you know, I would catch him every now and then, you know, when he think we sleep or something. Marvin, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, how does he know? That? Like, wait a minute, no, you're supposed to be pastor. No, you're supposed to be gospel, gospel all the time. Yeah. yeah, but that that was some of my earliest memories of music. And from there, I just kind of, I don't know, I was just the eye kid. I was the kid at 13, 14, listening to Sam Cooke, yeah. Aretha Franklin. Yeah, we say yeah, but most kids my age in the 90s was listening to Tupac, Biggie. And they're like, who is Sam Cooke? You know, there's a funny thing. You made me think of this where, um, like, there's a Bill Burr bit where he's like, I'm going to grow up and be in, like, an old folks home. And the kids are going to be playing their new, like, EDM music. And I'm going to go, that's not music. When I was younger, you sang about, you dressed like a woman and you sang about the devil. That was music. And I'm, then there's something uh, Toy Toy, Toya told me uh, when she was on the show. I'm like, what's, are you up on the latest stuff? I know she works on Yo. She said, yeah, I'm, I, I know some of the new stuff, but this new stuff isn't real hip hop. I'm like... It's already happening. It happens in every generation. You know what? And there's a series on Netflix called Evolution of Hip Hop. I I encourage everyone to please go out and watch that. Very good. And you'll understand why everybody says this new stuff. It is not hip hop. It's not. And it's amazing how it comes out of literally the Bronx is on fire. Exactly. And it comes out of that. Well, 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 the Bronx is on fire and every music store gets robbed. Yeah, yes. And guess That's what? Everybody gets equipment. And, and, yeah. and overnight, you got 12 groups now. Yeah. You know, in one area. 
<laughs> like, like, hey, where do the speakers come from? Hey, don't worry about it. Hey, yeah, that was the, the blackout, right? Yep. Yeah, all the power goes out and the Bronx is on fire. Everybody gets their equipment the best they can. A a exactly. Now you, you got DJ here, DJ there. D hey, don't worry about where this came from. Hey, we're partying right now. Come on now. Well, and what I love, too, is like, especially about that documentary, is they go, he's the originator. But then they go to the originator, so-called, and they go, no, I didn't come up with that. I was listening to this guy. I exactly. Way back. And see, that's just like early jazz musicians didn't like to be recorded. So it's a lot of unknown people that you've never heard of that are that were the geniuses of their time. Yeah, well, and there's a point made in that documentary about Grandmaster Flash where he's not just playing records on a turntable. He's playing the turntable. Exactly. He uses the turntable as an instrument. He was like, wait a minute, if I could stop this record right here... And started again. Wait a minute. I can keep the breakbeat going yep. from record to record. Just get two of the same records and just keep playing the breakbeat over and over again. And he was like, then it's just a permanent breakbeat. Now I got the B-Boys going. And it, and that's all you need. Well, and there's a guy in the documentary who makes the point that this is kind of a tradition in black music. Innovators who take... Like, last night I was talking with Wendell Skipper about Bo Diddley. He's one of the, he met Bo Diddley randomly at an airport. And Bo Diddley kind of was skeptical. It's like, wait, you think I'm Bo Diddley? Who is Bo Diddley? It kind of tested him. And Skipper knew his stuff. It's like, well, Bo Diddley was the guy who put a microphone in a guitar and was the first guy, who, in my opinion, electrified it. But then, out of that, think of uh, saxophones and jazz. Like, saxophone was kind of a lesser orchestral instrument. Now it becomes the prime instrument, lead instrument in jazz. Hendrix with oh, taking man. it to a next level with guitar. It's unreal. Hendrix, Hendrix was way before his time. Like you yeah, can, okay. you can still listen to a lot of his stuff and be like, "What was he thinking about?" Right. And and see, I I like music that that makes me that takes me to a place like that. Like sometimes you need to just sit and think about things. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many. Electric Ladyland is on constant rotation at my house. It's very <laughs> very good. I'm trying to see if I have uh, one saved in here. Oh, I don't think I have it. That's uh, cool. That's cool. I'm looking for a particular one. I, I was about to say, you, you playing that Crusaders, man. That, I, hey, that's my stuff right there, man. Okay, well, let's go out. We need to hit a break. We okay. got some some cat dragged in something here. <laughs> we'll talk to him in a second. But, uh, yeah, going out. Brandon is my guest this evening. How y'all doing, everybody? And I... And this is good stuff. I'm glad you shared it with me. Again, the Crusaders, keep that same old feeling. We'll be right back. Seventy-four. 
This might have been a bedroom song. I don't know. Oh, don't say that. It reminds me of somebody. Mom and Daddy may have been <laughs> listening to this, man, when my baby brother was conceived. Come on. <laughs> you don't like to think about that? I mean, no. who does? Yeah. No, I'm more upset about who in the hell is sitting in my seat over there? <laughs> you met Brandon the other day? I know it, but I, who I, gets more airtime besides you than I do? True. <laughs> what in the living world is he doing up here tonight? Because he's awesome on air. Dare say he might be better than him. Thank you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You was running late, man. I just I just held the seat warm for you. That's all, man. That's here, all. Actually, and my old roommate, who I was used to play this for, is calling me. He lives now, I think, right outside of D.C. Hold on. Hey, Sean, I'm literally in the middle of a radio show on air. I'll uh, have to call you back, man. I've, I've got to call you back. I'm on air. <laughs> Literally on air, and I've got the phone held up to the mic, so I'll, I'll call you back, man. <laughs> Later. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you got you got fans everywhere, man. Yeah. Oh, well, and I, that guy's awesome. There's some things in the works. Uh, we used to have a lot of fun. That was back when I was you know, putting back the sauce a little more. <laughs> Went on a few benders. Yeah, it was crazy yeah, Younger times. days. Younger mm-hmm, days. Crazy times. So what what took you so long? Traffic? Traffic was god-awful out there today. Do not try to go north on I-85. Do not. Find another route. Mm. Do not use the freeway. And yes, I I said freeway. (laughs) See, we laughed about that in in, in the break. Only somebody from Detroit would say freeway. It's the bypass and the interstate. That's what we have down here now. (laughs) We ain't got no freeways. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm from in Detroit. We call them freeways. So, yeah, that's a little... I I, got to store that in my head, you know, and stop saying pop. Say soda. Or Coke. No, I like pop. Now, I do. I love that word. I use that word. Okay. okay. I do it on purpose. (laughs) Okay. That's a black people word, though. Oh, yeah. Is it? Black folks say, "Yeah, they say pop." Yeah, okay. they'll say, "Give me a, give me a pop instead of, or pop or soda, so, soda pop, yeah, or hmm. something like that." Instead of a, you know, down in Montgomery, we say, "Give me a Coke," meaning it could be a Dr Pepper or a Mountain Dew no, or what no, have no, you. No, you know what? I, I noticed that. Give me a Coke. Coke is the word we use. No, no, you know what? Why is like almost every restaurant here serves nothing but Coke? Like you don't see Pepsi almost not no, that I'm often. Like, really, uh, that's just marketing. Effective. Yeah, marketing. I was about to say effective marketing, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, but I heard pop, and I'm I'm I thought it would be so many from Minnesota, like or you know. No, uh, uh-uh. no, mm. no. Hmm. Most most people up north say it. Okay, yeah. okay. That's that's, that's, that's that. just like most people from New York. They say "son" after everything. How okay. You do, how you doing, how you doing son? son? All right. I All like right. that cup, son. You know, and see that can be offensive down here. Oh. When you, when you call somebody son, yes, it yes. depending on how you use the word. If if I looked at you and I said, "Look here, son," oh, man. exactly, that's exactly. offensive. But it, if it's just in passing, exactly. yeah, yeah, here you go. I'll give you a dollar, son. It, it, exactly, that's it's, not it's, offensive. It's, so it's, it's not the way it's not you what, use it. Exactly, it's not what you say; it's how you say stuff. Well, the one exactly. that always sets it off for me, and this was early on when I was doing this, like five years ago, and I'm guest hosting for Greg, and I welcome to the airwaves. Who's this? And I knew it was going to be a bad call because he starts off with this. Now listen here, boy. 
Uh-oh. Like, whoa! <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, don't start with that. Don't start with that tone. Uh-uh. <laughs> Nuh-uh. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? Um, I went I went to uh, school for broadcasting in Michigan. Yeah. So the good thing about that is you're introduced to people you wouldn't normally hang out with, which, which is a great thing. Yeah, it, no, it really is. It gets you out the neighborhood. It gets you around other types of people. Mm-hmm. And I've had people who say they don't like people of a certain race, but they like me. I was like, wow, okay, cool. You know, we talk, have conversations. We agree to disagree about certain things. And but at the end of the day, you know, it's just a conversation. No, nothing personal has to be taken about it. And and if more people did that here, I believe a lot more stuff would get done. Well, and you are you are one hundred percent exactly right. And that's what I don't understand about people. We take sides on issues, and we take them so personally that if you don't agree with me, then I have to hate you. I have to hate you. Well, and and Joe and I are the gr- a great example. Joe and I disagree on a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. But we can sit down and we can talk and talk and talk okay, and but, disagree. But I don't hate. I love Joey. Oh, Joey oh, yeah. is a friend of mine. Oh, oh yeah. But see, this, this is my thing. If you look at, because one of my favorite subjects in high school was U.S. history. If you look at U.S. history, like history in general. Most of the major wars we've had in history have been over what? Religion. Oh, yeah. Because I believe this, and you don't believe what I believe, so I'm going to destroy your whole country. Like, really? None of the brilliance of this country is that some guys in Virginia go, we don't have to do that. Yeah, We don't have to do what Europe just did for 100 years. We can have our own separate separate church and state. And who writes the history books? The winners. The, the winners. people that win the war. Of course. Well, I love So it. you don't get the other my, side. My favorite take on American history, you have the kind of the traditional stream, which is like presidents, industrialists, like the preachers, those sort of things. Then you got the, the new left came in, and they started writing about civil rights leaders, feminists, uh, labor leaders, these sorts of things. There's a guy named Thaddeus Russell who said, I want to write a history called Renegade History of the U.S., where he says, I'm going to focus on what most people, the average person, was doing. Because when he, he used to come from a new left perspective. Okay. And when he looked into it, he points out, like, uh, MLK. He's like, Dr. King had about the same moral point of view as, like, a Thomas Edison. It was very Puritan. It's like, he thought rock and roll was the devil's music. Like, he, it, and work hard, do all these things. It was a very much a traditional American ethic. Very much a pacifist. And, and so... Russell's like, hmm, that's not most of America, actually. And so he looked into, like, drunks and prostitutes and gangsters and how they essentially pioneered freedoms without even intending to. Well, well, you know what? And I'm going to say this live on air. Yeah. I'm thankful to Mr. Rogers for what he did, you know, saving PBS back in the day because... One of the uh, documentaries I just watched on PBS, it's called American Genius. Hmm. And it just, it goes back to, like, the guy who invented the railroad, uh, the first uh, major bank in the United States history, J.P. Morgan, Thomas Edison. with Like, it it just profiles the geniuses of the time. Like, there was a need, and this guy just came up like, you know what, I really don't have the money, but I have the idea. 
And it just shows you that sometimes that's all it takes. It's just an idea. Yeah. To spark everybody. Like, you know what? Okay, I got the idea, but you got the money. So let me talk you into this idea. And it's and that's where you get a lot of like a lot of people don't know. Thomas Edison was funded by someone else. Right. At the time. Oh, don't get me started. Well, on but Thomas I'm, Edison. I'm glad people stole from his patents though. I hate Edison that. was such a I hate that kid. Puritan. But, like, but but you but you know what? A lot of our geniuses were kind of crappy people. It's weird how that works out where you're so good at one thing. A lot of other stuff goes by the wayside. Well, well, you you think about Mozart. Mozart was a musical genius, but there is no writings about him as a person, and there's a reason for that. Right? Because he sucked as a person. <laughs> right? Nobody liked him. Amadeus. It, that is a fantastic film, and he, that at least points out that he was kind of a piece of work. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you might rock me out, Amadeus. No. Oh, it, that's it was a, a great song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Amadeus with Sally Airy, and which isn't exactly. Oh, you're talking about the real Amadeus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and, and the, and I'm interrupting. Oh no, you're not interrupting. <laughs> but the the thing is, you know, most of our musical geniuses are they they're kind of off type people. Yeah. That's what makes them musical geniuses. Exactly. They, they I mean they really are weird. You were talking about uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yes. During the break. And and that's, you know, I mean, he played a right-handed guitar, left-handed, upside down. I, I mean, that is, yeah. that is just is powerful. At, 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 but he at his felt time. the music, and he created something. Yeah. Music is the closest thing, I think, that humans can get to creation because you're making a new sound and and something different that no one has ever heard. And I think that gives us humans a connection with God himself that they're actually creating something hmm. all the new that and that's one of the things that kind of turns me off about new music is it's either a cover or you're robbing from somebody it, it, exactly because everything's been done already and and we talked about that too when they started scratching yep that was something completely different that had never been done. Yeah. They they took a, a record, and they were sitting there scratching, and it was like, wow, you know, that's dynamite. I, I love the way that sounds. And, 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 and they invented something yep. using something else. It's like the Japanese. Japanese are great at that. They, they take our technology and perfect it. And that's what scratching was in music. They took a great song, you know, and they would transform it into something. It was like, man, Walk This Way with oh, Run yeah. DMC? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that song changed music in a in an in an era. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't know the early a lot of the early hip hop records were James Brown, Aretha Franklin. They sampled from soul records. Yes. You know, uh, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff uh, had a song called Brand New Funk. And it's it's straight from James Brown. And you can hear it on our sister station, 100.5 Classic Jams. And they play it all the time. And I, I had never heard that song before I came down here. And I just was like, wow, really? Right. Will Smith? Really? And he... He was rapping over, and I was like, wow. Well, and then I the other night with my roommates, my roommate got on a YouTube rabbit hole with the whispers. And oh, this came yeah. On and we were like, wait, we know this. Not from the whispers. Commercialized. 
I was like, wait, oh no. Welcome to Miami. Exactly. Oh, I was like, okay, cool, cool. But I, but I know the original though. Yeah, this is and the beat goes on. <laughs> Will Smith always would sample like from great guitar licks, like funk, like uh, what is it, Greatest Dancer is another one he yep. sampled. And, and, and you know what? The, th- the thing is about Will Smith, he's from Philly, but he was just a person who liked to have a good time. Yeah, you know, and, and the and the sad part is he came along during basically the gangster rap era. Yeah, where where gangster rappers was like, hey, we don't want to party no more. We want to sit in the corner. We're all black, and you know, talk about talk about the ills of the hood. It's like Will Smith, like, well, come on, let's talk about the girls, the party, you know, going to the park, you know, happy stuff. No, but it's crazy, and I'm really learning this about art trade, like in radio or podcasting, but I've seen it with comedians, and I think the same is true of music. And, like, how, nobody, I think, beforehand would have said, okay, gangster rap's going to be this multi-million dollar thing. Uh, but if the more specific you are, the more personal you are, the better received it will be. Because it gives somebody a chance to go, oh, I, that's different than my experience, but I can also relate and see where they're coming from. Well, I mean, they also interviewed Mick Jagger back in the 70s, and they have him on tape saying this, like, oh, well, I didn't think we'd be doing this for more than two years. Right. You know, but it, it's it's a career now. You know, like Jerry Heller, uh, seeing the advent of gangster rap, was like, hey, this is going to be something. He was just one of those people who could just see that far ahead. Yeah. You know, so 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 what about you? So you know, I I know <laughs> he just pointed at me. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm intimidated now. Oh, oh no, believe no, it or not, nothing like that. You know, on the I, hot I, seat. I, I didn't I didn't want you I didn't want you to be left out or anything. You know, I know we're talking about hip hop and stuff, but no, you great. you have you have a lot of uh, you know like classic rock groups and stuff that was discovered back in the day. That I don't know. It's like they're just swept under the rug now. Mm. If you're just talking about pure music and what I like. I am the most eclectic music fan in the world. And, and eclectic, eclectic. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Exactly. No go, G's, go, go. C's. Eclectic. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, the uh, and I'm terrible with names. What's the name of the band? The Crows. Hmm. Black Crows? Black Crows. Oh, yeah. That's 90s, yeah. Why did they only make one album? You know what? I, I, w- I was wondering it, about that. That, that, their, I say album, and my children make fun of me because I say that word that way. But why did they never cut another really good CD? Well, well, well the. Could have been Because, I mean, I mean, the first one was. There is not a bad song. I could turn it on and listen to that son of a bitch from start to stop. It now, was dynamite. You want me to tell you why? Why? Because during the 90s, you had radio... Sta- well, not radio. Record record companies was putting more pressure on artists. And any arts, artist will tell you this. You have forever and a day to write your first album. After that, you only got one hour. 
I and it's you. like you got to keep turning them out. Mm. So you, you got to be Phil Collins. You got to kick them out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if you're an artist that takes too long to write another album, oh, people have already forgotten about you. Nope, we're not going to put no backing behind you. But no, th that that is probably if I had to take one CD and just if you put me on a desert island and that's the only thing that's I can listen one. to, that probably would be it because every single song there's there's a feeling. And the way that that it was set up, yeah. you know, it's it's written, you know, somewhat as a story, and you can listen to the whole thing. And I, I mean, they're just. Oh, that's what about man, you? And they're really great. Desert Island, one album. It doesn't have to be the best. It's just the one that you want to listen to. Done. Nice. Illmatic. Done. Ninety four. That that pretty. My life pretty much stopped at ninety four. Was like, who is this guy? <laughs> And a lot of people don't know, he was only like 18 when he wrote that. And I was like, wow. who is this guy? Yeah, sometimes when you see somebody so young, like, how do you know these things? Exactly. The wisdom that comes out of some folks. You know, the rhyme style, the, the, the production, the grittiness of it. I mean, I don't know. You just don't get albums like that anymore. And, it's be, and it goes back to our point. You don't have forever to write anymore. It's like, okay, you have forever to write that first mega hit. Okay, you got that mega hit album. And every month after that, the record company's like, okay, where's the next one? Right. Where's the next one? Because now you, the next one? you're hitting singles. I, I, exactly. everything's on iTunes or what have you, yeah, and you're just having to cut These singles. days, there is a really cool thing going on where you don't have to be Taylor Swift. You don't have to be the megastar. You can be like... I mean, you can have you can make money and make a really good living touring and releasing albums, but you're not necessarily famous. I, exactly. But see, that's the thing. Everybody... Everybody wants to be famous. See, I don't want to be famous. I feel like that'd be what? crazy. It brings you on. You already so many... are famous, no, Joey. Not. Quit being. Well, well you know Come what, on, Joey? Man. You, you. I hate to say this, but you remind me of Hannah Montana. Really? Yes. The <laughs> best, Miley Cyrus. The best of both worlds. Like, like, like you try, you try to lie on here and be like, "No, I'm this humble guy." I am. And, and then, then he throws a scarf across his shoulders. I'm humble, and, incredibly and, insecure. And, 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 dri and drives his, his red BMW that down the road. Mobile down there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the wind blowing. He, and exactly. The air flowing. I, I, exactly. Oh, got the yeah. long ponytail. Come on. It's mannequin. It's mannequin all over again. Oh, mannequin. Man. Yeah, that movie. Mannequin. Oh yeah. Yeah, ex uh, mannequin. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, but but you but you know what? I mean, no, but I'm I'm serious about the fame thing. I don't think I. I think people who pursue fame for fame's sake, same way people pursue power for its own sake or money for its own sake, it's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah, yeah, but 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 that's just like people who like getting on the internet and seeing those likes. They've proven, you know, people like that that rush. Yeah, like oh, somebody likes something I did. Yeah, you know, like performers will tell you i'm nervous until i say my first couple of words on stage and i see that first person staring at me after that i'm good it's like a high it's like my body just takes over yeah, you're in the does his own thing yeah you know and i mean it's it's just that you see why do certain people that become incredibly famous go crazy because i think it is a crazy way to live well, well becoming becoming famous is not hard maintaining the fame is right and it's like a drug is what it is i think that's what brandon's saying and it in and, and if you're not getting that constant reinforcement that you are the greatest you are the best you are the you know prettiest uh, uh, or what have you and when once you lose that then what do you do well cuz that's your own 
that's your only sense of self-worth that you have. And it's it comes down, we're all narcissistic to a degree. To a degree. Everybody is. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite rappers, uh, Wale, he said, uh, women will sell their soul just to buy some attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was, I was like, wow. You know, and it, it made sense. Well, and it's one thing, too, to become famous for, like, you're the president or you're a, you're the senator or you are an incredible musician or you're a famous actor. You do something. You're Elon Musk, a great innovator. It's he, another thing where it's like you post, like, workout photos of yourself in yoga pants and you're now famous on Instagram well, 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 let's, looking let's, good. Let, let's think about this. <laughs> let, let, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's, let's think about this. Kim Kardashian. Right. Had it not been for Ray J, would we know who she is? No. I don't know. She got a big old pretty butt, though. No, but it's not. No, and have and, you and seen, that is the first thing you know about. But have you <laughs> no, seen, that's all okay. I know about her. Okay, somebody tagged me in a photo of Jennifer Lopez today. Jennifer Lopez has a no. real great bot. She looks great. Have you seen the truth about Kim Kardashian? No, she I don't actually. Want to see it. It's like weird Inserts? implants or silicone oh, or something. Oh man! And when it's not airbrushed, it looks. Uh, it does not look normal. No, like Jennifer Lopez was the real deal. Oh, she still is the real. Deal. She was the first one with the big old bootay. Oh yeah, she really was. Now, but the the thing is, she's worked hard, and she still works hard. You yes. know, because I can guarantee you, four a.m. She's up R- at the gym, out. squatting. Yeah. To keep that. <laughs> you know, but but most females now, they're just taking the lazy way. Like, you know what? I'm 21. I'm going to have somebody pay for this. Yeah, I just don't get the plastic surgery thing at all, for men or women. I, I don't, don't really. really. I do not get really. it. And, and, th- and this, I maybe, we, we yeah. just talked about the internet and how people like well, being okay. liked. I get it from, okay, I can understand the phenomenon. Teddy Pendergrass feels so good loving somebody when somebody loves you back. Come here, woman. Hey, that, that's... <laughs> Turned so bad, though, so many times. Right. I mean, people look like the Joker. Or like the the 60-year-old dude who's got the fake tan. I'm not describing the president, but the... The, like the pulled back facelift yeah. thing where they start to almost look like a plastic doll. It's but, freaky looking. Yeah, but guess what? There's some 18-year-old female who's telling him, you yeah. look great, honey. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I'll tell you, I've got a completely different take on this. I'm wrinkled up and weathered, and I'm proud of every dadgum wrinkle I've got. I've earned every one of them of jokes. Of course. I mean, there, you know. there, there's a time for every season. That's just like, you know, everybody was ashamed of the of the old guy look and stuff like that until Sean Connery came out and it was like, oh, oh, this, oh, he's getting young chicks too. Okay, well, yeah. well, now now the gray beard is in. Well, and it and, and even with my wife, I mean, she's the same way. She's not. She, <laughs> you know, my wife Joey. Yeah, and Lauren's a, a hell of a lot more attractive than I am. True. And she has kept up a lot better, but she's getting older. And but it's age gracefully, and just accept it, and just be yourself. Yeah. And it is freaking beautiful. You know what? You, you know just what? Be yourself. I, I put it to you like this: It's hard to fight nature because, like I said, people love being liked. It's a, it's a, it itself is a drug. But you got to go gracefully through the stages of life. Right now, we're in the summer of our lives. What are you in the fall? Maybe in the winter. Oh, no, stop it. No, no get, just, get yourself there. together. Well, thank y'all for listening, Brandon A4. Thank y'all for joining me. No problem, man. I'll be back Monday with Troy.
Talk to you all then. Joey Clark.